my friends, my fans, my followers, my legion of freaks. It's me, Old Reliable, the voice of reason. The little kid just said my name, you know it. And I'm here to bring you the latest and greatest episode of Independent Minded on ElvisDuran.com and iHeartRadio. Can't find the podcast there? Then how the hell are you listening to this? Indie artists can reach out and touch me at ron at baldfreak.com. Send me your tunes. Send me your videos. Send me your book. Send me some hot cocoa. It's cold. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, face it a book, at baldfreakmusic. I am not Snapchatting. I am an adult man. And my guests this time around have become good friends and musical compadres. They are the young and beautiful Brooklyn trio Bandits on the Run. Sydney and Regina and Adrian stop in to talk about recording their new album, The Criminal Record, managing their first Kickstarter campaign, and finding Jesus. Lucky Jesus. More on that later. For now, let's head to Paris, one of the alluring tracks from the Bandits' new album. Then my interview with Bandits on the Run right here on Independent Minded. Yahoo!
been to Paris But you can draw me like one of your French girls I dream of getting married You dream of traveling the world I've never been to Paris But baby, maybe that's alright Cause when I look at you now I see my own city of life All right, I'm here with Adrian, Sydney, Regina, the trio better known as Bandits on the Run. And uh, you guys are return guests. You're one of my rare return guests. Yes. It's like you, Weird Al Yankovic, oh. uh, Nicholas Megalis, and Lana Marie. <laughs> we should start a club. You guys were on like episode 19. We're oh in a gosh, yeah. 40-something by now. Wow. You guys did rolling. the, uh, were part of the um, Elvis Duran and the Morning Show birthday house band, mm-hmm. which was another like pioneering thing I did here on the Morning Show where we did like a live house band thing during Elvis's birthday show on the big show. And uh, you guys are all grown up now. It's been uh, a year and a half. It's been a year and a half yeah. since Are we still in love? Like, what's year, going on? I think we're still in love. Yeah? yeah. The relationship's going well? I think we're still finding out new things about each other yeah. and giggling. It still feels like honeymoon, honeymoon stage. Since, since our eyes first fell on you yes. at, at the bitter end. Mm-hmm. That's right. What, June, that is how July, I discovered June. you. When I first met you, you guys had basically had like a self-release three-song EP. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one of the primary reasons you guys here are to promote your new album, which is called The Criminal Record. Yes. Criminal Record, since we are bandits on the run. And you guys go as, uh, you have pseudonyms on stage. That's how I discovered you. Like, I didn't know your name was Adrian. You were, you were Roy Bandit. <laughs> on, on stage, I am Roy Dodger. Yeah, Roy, I mean, you could call me Roy Bandit. Roy Bandit Dodger? Is that your, you what's your middle me, name? Uh, it's uh, it's my, my real middle name or my... <laughs> no. Or my bandit middle name. What's your so bandit name? Is your bandit middle Danger, obviously. Danger, Roy Danger Roy. Dodger? Oh my God. <laughs> you never said that. Oh, oh this, is, uh, this is an exclusive. Oh. I mean, there are lots of people that say that, but that's that's really my bandit middle name. Roy Danger Dodger. Yeah. Okay. Now, since I've interviewed you, you basically, you have a rhythm section now. They are yet to be indoctrinated full-time bandits. Like, we want them all the time, but they're they're very busy men. Is so. there an indoctrination process, or is it kind of up to them? <laughs> well, they, they have bandit names now, so that's part oh, of the well, okay. process. Oh, okay. That's huge. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, we have a, a drummer named Mr. Montgomery, but his street people name is Chris Gelb, and we have a, a bass player called Andy Coyote. His other world people name is Evan Cannon, and they're amazing, and they're so much fun to play with, and we love them, and we would love to play with them forever. As we were going on and playing bigger and bigger shows, we kind of came to this conclusion that while having three people is really magical, it doesn't exactly fill a room with a danceable beat. Sure. Especially if it's a bigger show, like yeah. or a bigger house. We still love doing intimate small shows and playing in unexpected places and all of that. That's it's, definitely not going to go away. The the three th- three th- what would you call it? The three 
threesome. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's not. The, the triple threat. <laughs> the triple threat. Yeah. Triple threat. It's an interesting dynamic uh, in the sense that you guys are currently helping me perform live. Mm-hmm. I'm a solo artist bringing a whole bunch of people together. And here are these two guys. They are to you as you are to me. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. So, how does it feel to be on the other side, like relying on other people's schedules? And I got this band, and I got this going on, and I got that going on. But at the same time, I assume you feel that electricity with them when they perform with you, and you realize how much they fill out your sound. Yeah. And sure. you want them to be there all the time. This is me confessing to you how I feel about you. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, love fest. Well, sure do know how to make a girl blush. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your first process of going into a legitimate recording studio and recording. Music, right? Yeah. Our EP was was done uh, in a friend's living room, kind of bare bones DIY, yeah, yeah. super DIY. Yeah. In fact, yeah. they they were mixing. Usually, you mix you mix after they were mixing. <laughs> right. Recorded. You spend a considerable amount of time mixing. Mm. Yeah. But we were just doing the songs. They were mixing them into left and right channels, and then that's what we had to work with. There wasn't a lot of posts that we could do. Yeah, um, but, the, but those guys are great. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they could dream. But they got out. Chronic so City. Now you are wearing your big boy and big girl pants. You're in a legitimate recording studio. Where did you record this record? Oh, we recorded at a studio called Electrocraft, which is our producer's writing studio. Our producer? Come on, shout the guy out. Our producer, been... <laughs> drumroll, <laughs> William Garrett, who is just the, the greatest oh. person, the coolest guy ever. His bandit name is Lucky Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, William Garrett's a pretty banditty name to begin with, don't <laughs> it you is. think? Oh, he's he a total Deputy Garrett. Guys. Yeah. If you've seen it, what's that actor that he looks just like? Oh, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. Yeah. He looks, oh. yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what he looks like. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. Like Every Sam old Elliott. cowboy looking guy looks like Sam, Sam Elliott. No, but legitimately, like people think he's Sam he Elliott. He gets stopped on the street. We were with him once and someone was like, hey, you're that guy. And oh, he really? Like, he was mistaken like, no, for Sam Elliott? Like, Who are you talking about? And he was like, yeah. And he's he was at a film festival a while back, too. And some photographer took his picture and put it on the internet and said that it was Sam, it was Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Like, <laughs> now, if the timeline is correct in my mind you guys did a kickstarter campaign and about a year ago right exactly around this time last year and you promised a record so this is oh yeah well (laughs) (laughs) this has always been something i've asked a lot of artists who've walked in and out of these studios about the whole process of basically asking people for money Now, you guys started as buskers, right? Yeah, That's yeah. when you guys came. That was a big topic of conversation. So you guys came up the first time. We've always been asking You've always been asking for money. <laughs> but now In you're, very polite ways. you're virtually asking for money. And with the Kickstarter, Pledge Music, all these sort of fundraising sites, there's the promise of fulfillments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, you know, you give us XX amount of dollars and we're going to do this for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yours, I remember when I went on and, and I gave my... There were like a lot of opportunities for you guys to write songs for people, like basically using your skills to pay it back. Yes. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about managing the expectations of those people and trying to balance it all at the same time. Yeah, it's tricky. It is tricky. Luckily, the the thing about doing a Kickstarter is that everybody who's giving to you, for the most part, if you know your community and you know that you're reaching out to these people who have seen you, for the most part, they're all on your side. They're fans are on your Mm -hmm. side. And one thing that we've been really diligent about has been um, sending out updates 
when something takes a little longer than it should, we send out a message to everybody to be like, hey, this is what's going on. Like one of us did a play and it slowed the process a little bit down. And so we've, we've been really diligent about letting people know what's going on and being in communication mm. with folks as the year has gone on. And we've already um, fulfilled some of the rewards. Like, for example, one of them was a personalized stick up. And so, like, we played for our um, a, uh, a musical stick up. Oh, it, it wasn't just like playing. Or was, it, <laughs> or was it my danger daughter? <laughs> the idea was to, was to ambush, ambush someone out of the blue or a surprise, like a planned little nice. surprise. Okay. So how did that go? Um, it was beautiful. You know, our friend had us, um, wait on a rooftop, uh, for him and his boyfriend, Caleb's anniversary. Oh, that's and romantic. It was, and it was like lovely. That. Yeah. It was very romantic. I want to do that with you guys. We, yeah, we did, I need cool. a girlfriend we, first. We, we we working, working on that. We played it. We played a Mumford and Sons song that for them that they requested and we learned for the reward. But we also did another one for a friend's dad's, uh, 65th birthday. He's oh, a huge yeah. Beatles fan. So we changed the lyrics to when I'm 64 to when I'm 65 and all of the lyrics to, to match that. Rhyme. That was awesome because they were having dinner in this very fancy steakhouse and we're these kind of like ragamuffin people who come in and we're just like, excuse me while you eat your, your hundred dollar dinner. We're going to sing this song. <laughs> it was wonderful. And then I think a week later we played at a Beatles fest and we had worked out this entire set of Beatles songs. One of them was when I'm 64 because we had it in the bag already. Right. But it was funny because it was so hard not to sing the, the, the different I'm lyrics. I'm pretty sure that at one point I did sing when I'm 65. <laughs> I was like, whoops. <laughs> you just picture all the Beatles fans being like, that's not the song. <laughs> Who are these people? They loved it. You put together a very professional, well thought out, funny video for the Kickstarter campaign. Mm -hmm. Ronnie Scalzo, the man here, he starred as um, the Wild West <laughs> announcer voice. Yeah, who, yeah. Who, the voice who, the when, when the bandits experience a little bit of turbulence and go their separate ways, he kind of narrates what's happening. Mm -hmm. See, the, the Kickstarter was totally fictional. Um, <laughs> right, right. It was like a little short film. It was, yeah, right. it was about the, the lives of the bandits as struggling NYC petty thieves and how they really want to pull off a bigger heist, which is, you know. Basically, Pretty, our it, lives. Through, through <laughs> the looking at last version. Right. What we're doing. It's, it's, it's sort of a, an embellishment of what's really going on in your lives, but there is comedy to it. And you guys put the video out. It's really well thought out. It's really well done. And then you have to write the incredibly either short or long description of what you want and what you're looking to do. Mm -hmm. And then you hit that button and it's live. <laughs> Are you worried? That you're not going to get enough money? Are you worried that oh. you're not going to be able to fulfill the things you need to fulfill? What goes through your mind as a collective and as individuals when you put yourself out there like that and you kind of keep your fingers crossed that things are going to work out the way you want them to? You know, for my part, I actually was never worried that we wouldn't make our goal. And I, I was never really worried about disappointing people because I think from the start, sort of the the spine of what we do is caring about each other and community. And I think that people who engage with us kind of have that same feel. And we put in a lot of work with our band before we ever did the Kickstarter. It wasn't like it was the beginning of mm -hmm. sure. our journeys. And so it, it, I really felt confident that we could make it happen. And I think, I, I don't know, I had a lot of faith and it came true. I, I was pretty nervous. <laughs> well, the, the we day to day, like looking at your phone being like, mm -hmm. only uh, two people gave yeah. today. That, that's right. Cool. Well, Those even, are the things I'm talking about. The yeah. foibles of dealing with the internet fulfillment, whether it's come to my show and say you're interested on the 
the invite or reply to this or reply to that or, you know, give us some money? Oh, it's been a process, like like learning how to use the Internet yeah. in a positive way for that. Because I don't know, I guess because the Kickstarter was was so big, like this is the thing. It wasn't like we had a bunch of like little things we were asking for. We sort of like culminated it all into this. Exactly. And so like now that's what we're sort of doing with promoting our show. Like we haven't played shows in a while, just like sort of leading up to this. And like at the beginning of our careers, we had sort of said yes to everything. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just like negotiating like what's important, like picking your battles, I guess, like in how to promote yourself. I think it's a lot about just like giving people every possible opportunity to say yes, because it's really easy to go about your life. I mean, we, we live in this crazy world where you have so much distraction. It's so easy to say, oh, I, I love these people and then just forget about it. And like never check up on them again. So you just, I mean, for me, it's always just giving people as many chances to say yes as possible. Obviously, you don't want to annoy people. but Right. There's that fine line. But you you have to realize that that's mostly your your critic inside of you is going to be telling you that you're annoying a long time before (laughs) before you actually are. And as long as you're respectful and like if someone says no, you just. You don't bug them. Yeah, okay. And don't take it personally. Yeah. So if I thought I was annoying a year ago, I'm only annoying now. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> right? I would <laughs> no, not I'm not, annoy. You're not annoying. I'm not fishing all. for compliments. Uh-huh. Here. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I feel that, you know, even though I've been doing this uh, a lot longer than you guys, I still feel, you know, I haven't played shows in a long time and I still feel that dread like that even if it's even if it's a day you know like Mm -hmm. i I just feel that dread that it's like nobody's going to come to the show nobody's going to do that and i've and i've done well to set it aside but Mm -hmm. when it comes to relying on people to make a record you know now it's a different story like if 10 people come to my show or 100 people come to my show i'm still going to play the show you know talk to me about the record the hallmark of bandits on the run is these three-part harmonies i'm sure that's going to be showcased on the record but what more on a full record in a a real studio with lucky jesus as your producer (laughs) is the criminal record going to sound like obviously we heard a song already but you know if you had to make a little paragraph blurb of what the record is give me your blurb (laughs) give me your blurbs so it's all of our greatest hits and the songs that we are most passionate about we sing lead pretty much evenly distributed throughout yeah, I think the, there's like three songs each that we're each singing almost with. exactly yeah. i mean to me it's like if i had a dream where i could play three instruments at the same time and bonanza jellyfish could play an entire orchestra of cellos all at once and we could have a chorus of of bandits like behind us we, yeah. we were able to do all of those things because we were multi-tracking instead of doing it live yeah i mean i think it didn't diverge too much from like what you would typically hear in a bandit show like it doesn't sound mm-hmm. like crazy overproduced i guess like, it's like it's not aerosmith still... with michael Kamen in his orchestra yeah. It's... Yeah. it's like yeah, yeah. it's but it's like everything that like adrian was saying everything that we dreamed of was there like there are some songs where i wish i could have a string quartet in and so like i played four different cello parts for sure. some of those and and it just like filled out the sound in the way that I always heard it in my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the and best plus, feeling. Plus some like fun discovered things. Like at one point in funky ghost, we found a blind just like in the corner in a closet and it had an interesting sound. And so we sort of played with it and now it's a blind, like a window shutter. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, not and, a blind man. No, no, no. Hey, come <laughs> here. Blind man. One of those blinds. We found a blind man in the corner. <laughs> he was lost. Yeah. Like a window, like Venetian blinds. And we like, yeah. Like 
actually Lucky Jesus played that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he played Jesus. it as a percussion oh, Lucky Jesus. on our yeah, on that mm-hmm. track. <laughs> Lucky Jesus. Have you had time to enjoy the moment of being in the studio without looking at a clock and worrying about all the other things you have to do? Because you guys are really busy. Mm-hmm. I've gone to Seattle, I've gone to Portland, I've gone to Europe and recorded, and it's been like flash in a pan, it's 48 so hours, yeah. and I try to you know take pictures and mm-hmm. just suck as much experience out of the studio process as I can. Did you guys do that on this record? We went into this process with a great advantage, which was that from the beginning, our understanding with our producer was he was passionate about us, and he basically said, you know, I have this studio, we don't have to worry about cost overhead for renting a studio, so... that's. Yeah, totally so, awesome. However yeah. long it's going to take for us to get to suss out these songs and make them the way that you want want them to. I mean, obviously we have a deadline. Right. With, with getting ah, two years, rewards. we'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who did a, a music Kickstarter, and um, the rewards are coming out three, four years later, and I think everybody's just really happy. So, like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, fair but we're, we're not that patient. We want yeah. to get it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we had this opportunity to go into studio, and there were some nights where we would try tracking a song. We would record a few tracks, and then we would talk about it, and then be like, well, maybe we need to work on it or come back to it or give it like a little bit time to, to breathe. We should sleep on it and figure out what the track needs or how we need to do this differently. There was even a night where we went and recorded an entire song, the, all the guitars, and then we were like, is this the right guitar? And then it came back later. So we've definitely been able to kind of bask in it. This has been a really good first time in a professional studio environment because I think we know going forward that we're not always going to have that luxury. Totally. Sure. Yeah, it was, it was super luxurious because <laughs> we had like there were certain parts of songs where, you know, you get used to playing it a certain way and then you get in the studio and you're like, wait, is that even the right note? Like. Yeah. Have I been playing this like oh, so yeah. wrong the whole mm-hmm. time? And it's like such a discovery moment where you're like, oh, shit, we have to change this because it doesn't actually make sense. But we've gotten so used to doing it this mm-hmm. way. So the first time you guys were up here, I was really impressed with the band's DIY spirit and the hustle of the band, obviously the busking. Mm-hmm. I remember you said on the on the first podcast that you definitely were at a point where you needed help and you wanted to find people to help you do the things that every independent band needs to do, the dirty work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Have you changed your tune on that or are you still looking for management or you still want to get this released on a label? Like, What is your ultimate goal for the criminal record? We really would appreciate some sort of management like so I if mean, you're out there listening <laughs> well in the last year we've had um one of our very good friends Brittany curtis um she bandit name burnt tinder yes um burnt tinder burnt tinder um she's super cool but um she sort of went into this like as a friend who's very smart and capable and wanted to help like she doesn't know anything about the music business but she's been invaluable in like helping us make contracts mm-hmm. and like talking to people and like helping with merch sales and stuff like that. So we connect and helping to connect us with people. Like we met will through one of her friends. So she's been invaluable. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean like eventually we would love like a music manager, but she's like our friend, like our friend manager that we've been really lucky to have. Like a momager. Yeah. Like a momager, but a friend. friend. (laughs) We're definitely still in the same boat though. I mean like we've had, we, we've had a lot of help, but we're categorically a, a DIY experience. I mean, we, we, we do all of our promotion. We're publishing everything ourselves for the time being. I mean, there's a chance that after we publish it, a label will come by and be interested in, in maybe doing some of the songs or getting us uh, to record another album. 
and we'll definitely be open to that. But we realize that we're the people who care the most about <laughs> about our music, first and foremost. Sure, that's the hugest thing. When you know that you have the most passion about it, you know that you're going to go the extra mile. Right. Nobody's going to do more for your art than you yeah. at the end of the day. I mean, and there are those pain in the ass things that you need to do. You just mentioned publishing before, like mm-hmm. sitting there on the ASCAP and BMI side and entering mm-hmm. your ESCII code and, and then finding out what an ESCII code is and <laughs> and making sure the album is copyrighted. And, oh, this cost $80 and this cost $800. And it's a lot of uh, mumbo jumbo nonsense that you kind of have to do if you want to get those publishing deals or if you want to get noticed by a label. I mean, labels nowadays, I feel like, need a sure thing because of the state of the industry. So they need to know, hey, you're going to sell XX amount of tickets slash records slash merch, or they're going to need to be completely blown away by your music. And even if they are completely blown away by music, it's really the former thing that is more important to them because it's a money game. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know what my point here is. (laughs) (laughs) Good luck. Uh, (laughs) No, my, my point is that from my own experiences and dealing with other bands, you know, I ran a record label for seven years and I dealt with bands and everybody's got their own set of expectations. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. if your expectations are realistic and you're hardworking, I've been told at least that good things will happen with your music, your art or your writing or your paintings or whatever it is. But a lot of bands just want to latch on to that situation where it's like, I need somebody to take care of everything and I just want to focus on playing the guitar. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an unrealistic goal I at think, this point. Totally. I think that yeah. that's like an easy narrative to latch on to because first of all, it seems to me that historically that's like the story you get sure, told. But history has changed myself. Yeah, no, exactly. We're a completely different era of music than when Elvis Presley was around right. Not that this is all he had to do, but he went to a recording studio and someone was like, this kid's got some stuff. This kid got some talent. And recorded him and put him on a record. record. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, it's not like that anymore. You have, there's so much stuff that you have to take care of. And I mean, honestly, we would love somebody else to help us with that stuff. But like, so far, it's been overwhelming, but manageable and sometimes enjoyable to do that. I love running like our Instagram and stuff. And like, you know, I I think that that part of it is really fun and fascinating, interesting, and I've learned a lot, but... You know, it, it would be nice to have it's, someone to handle it's more like business. Having, having a child a little bit. Yeah, for sure. for sure. There ain't nothing fun about finding an ISCII code and putting it on a website to get your publishing done. I'll tell See, you about that's that. That's the sort of um, stuff that we would love I don't sit there and I'm like, man, this is so much fun. <laughs> I don't know, you do guys. I really love those ISCII codes. Can't so, get enough of them. <laughs> so talk to me about plans after the record. Are you looking to tour in 2017? World Definitely. domination. They're saying to me now, because I have these two songs in the can that I did in Europe and I want to release two other singles that I want to record over the holidays when playing shows really doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Everybody who I'm talking to who works in the PR industry is like, you have to have that six-month plan. So does Bandits on the Run have a six-month plan for the criminal record and beyond? If not, we'll talk off the air. <laughs> <laughs> I I think we have a six-month dreams. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So dreams are a good start. I think we've been just so focused on like just getting this done because at this point it's been about a year that we've been just trying to like get the darn album done and uh, by the time that everyone hears this it will be done and we'll be so happy we'll probably like drink a bunch of mimosas um, <laughs> and then come up with a plan but I think right now it's just like the like I think we have, we're very short sighted right now because it's just like we just want to make sure that, that it's high quality and then after it's done I feel like we want to get it to as many people as humanly possible I mean the main reason that we wanted to make this album 
was so that we would have something more polished to put online. Uh, we didn't put our EP up on Spotify or iTunes. Yeah. It was strictly a face-to-face sell or and if like you went band to our band camp. camp. We wanted to wait until we had something that was more polished sounding, more more us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that happening, then we'll have a lot more to point people in the direction of. We have a whole roster of of publications that we that we're submitting to and getting people to write about. And then we have a, a tour in the works for for the spring. And we're even talking about going to Europe. Well, one thing I did want to ask, are you guys still busking? Or when was the last time you did busk? Oh, we Lord, about a month we ago. want to, but we it's been be so busking. hard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't that forget is... your roots, right? Yeah, I know. Oh, we can't, we can't. It's going to be so. so exciting to go back into it yeah. now that we have this behind us and the experience. We've learned these songs and played them in different ways. I'm really, I'm really interested in seeing how like the recording process will inform our busking because as we've been recording, we've been busking some, but it hasn't been nearly as intense as before we started the record. Like already there have been some times where we played a show and we've been like, oh, okay, well, like, let's do the discovery that we found in the studio or like, mm-hmm. um, uh, oh, I missed this about this thing that we did. But although now we have these two other bandits that we can also invite to go and busk with us. It's a whole new world, honestly. Yeah. The future's bright. 2017 is going to be crazy. But also busking <laughs> so fits ready. really nicely into into touring because uh, you, we really can just go anywhere that we are touring and playing a show. We can also busk and we've we found in New York that people have have been more than happy to come to our to our yeah. shows after seeing us. Of course, yeah. Yeah, we've mm-hmm. got a lot of audience members that way. Like if we busk, give them a little flyer like, "Oh, we're playing a lot of week. Come. A lot of people actually come. Yeah, well, no offense to music fans in the states, but I found that European fans are just more rabid and more uh, excited about not American music. What do you and, mean we're not rabid? <laughs> we're not rabid. A uh, good example is I've had uh, the Lucky Chops up here, and they also started as as buskers. Uh-huh. They're great. I agree. And then I went to go see them when I was out in Germany, and they played like a Bowery Ballroom, Irving Plaza sized room, and the crowd was nuts, like nuts, like yeah. like going to see like a hard rock concert, you know. And yeah. I mean, it, that speaks towards the band's energy, but also because they have kind of established an audience of international fandom based on A, putting videos online, and B, busking. Mm-hmm. And when they go out to Europe and they have a free day, they busk. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they kind of get back to their roots and probably make a lot of euros. <laughs> <laughs> it's called The Criminal Record. Check it out on the interwebs. It's going to be on the iTunes. And it's going to be on the, what else is popular these days with the kids? And hey, maybe even get it on the iHeartRadio. Oh. We got the pod. Well, it's on the art right If you listen to the podcast, Roy Danger Dodger, Bonanza Jellyfish, Clarissa, Adrian, Sydney, Regina, they are bandits on the run, my friends and my sometimes bandmates. And good luck. Let me know when you're going on tour. I'll at least come see you. Thanks, Ron. Bye. Thank you. Bye. You got that look in your eyes again on that faraway prize. Look right through me while you're talking to me. Got that look in your eyes again. These days I find it hard to get out of bed when the rain starts. The light that's still in me ain't enough to send me.
What to do from Bandits on the Run. Earlier in the podcast, we heard Paris, both from the new album, The Criminal Record. Find out more about Bandits on the Run at banditsontherun.nyc. Follow them on Twitter at Bandits on the Run. I want to thank Regina, Sydney, Adrian for stopping in. And of course, the most wanted man in the West, dead or alive, Elvis Duran. God, this is sucking my ass.